Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. When you're running a marathon, as we are in the pandemic, it is, isn't easy to get your mind off the immediate challenge or, and on to the next race. But contending with the pandemic will only be truly successful if we're able to look at what we do next to station ourselves to the next test. What are the systems, the investments, the priorities that are going to require our attention? My guest today is in a very unique position to help us explain what we might need. Kerma Sabar is chair of the federal government's health and biosciences economic strategy table. She's also the CEO of Cork Ventures, and she's the CEO here in Vancouver, one of our country's leading bioscientists. And we borrowed her for a few minutes from the marathon to speak to us today. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Kirk. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it can take a crisis to wake us up. Um, what do you think we're now alerted to? I think we have a whole new awakening and, um, you know, all of a sudden we are focused once again uh, on innovation, on uh, new ways of doing things, of being uh, really open to new ideas instead of saying, well, that's going to take a long time to do. You know, I think that COVID-19 will reshape our society forever. Everything's going to change. How we work, how we live, how we're traveling, how we're delivering education, how we're delivering healthcare and receiving healthcare, and frankly, how we're going to interact with each other and what becomes important. Suddenly, uh, lots of people are focused on, you know, family and 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 realize how important family uh, really is when you're stuck together and you realize, uh, you know, what is important and what's not, but you know, as governments, um, I think, and as jurisdictions, the um, uh, the focus on having a fully digitized country and economy has become, again, a new awareness. It's kind of been there at the back of our mind, and we've been bumbling along. But <laughs> Canada's lagged behind a little bit there. So imagine um, not having a, a fully digitized country uh, coast to coast. How are we going to do the new delivery of healthcare and the new delivery of education. Yeah. These are the types of things we're going to be thinking about. Those are big things to contend with. I mean, in general, people are not massive risk takers, as you know. They like convenience and comfort and pattern. So, so what's so wrong with just wanting to roll back the clock and put 2019 all over again into us? COVID has shown us that we can't do that. Uh, look, what we thought might be a few weeks or a few months, we're already into the seventh, eighth month uh, of COVID. And frankly, I think people need to wrap their heads around that there's some things that are going to change forever. And, you know, much as none of us want a crisis, a crisis is a real opportunity to rethink and reset where we are and ask those big, tough questions. Are we on the right path? You know, are we building a, a truly uh, inclusive, equitable, green, innovative world, sustainable? Uh, or, um, you know, have we just been on this roller coaster race of, yes, you know, we want our economies to grow, our GDPs to grow, but at what cost uh, and in what direction? These big questions have to be asked. Uh, and if not, when you have a crisis, you'll never do it. So it's a time to reset. It's a time to reset. And yet I've also heard some business leaders say, you have to be careful 
not to try to overachieve in the next phase here. That, that there is some restoration that is necessary in order to give us the foundation upon which to build. So you know, on a scale of one to 10, what kind of risking do we need to do here? Well, you know, we need to look at things in sort of three stages. And you know that um, sort of post-COVID, the federal government also set up uh, the Industry Strategic Council. Uh, and members of the economic, some of the members of the economic strategy table are also part of this. And part of our focus is around all of these things. And really, we're looking at it in three bits. There's the reopening, which is, you know, getting people back, you know, to work, getting them uh, you know, uh, able to have nor some normality in their lives, to eat, drink, be able to go out a little bit, uh, to go back to school, to be able to access healthcare. Then there is, you know, the, the recovery, the full recovery of the economy that has, you know, plummeted down to like 30, 35%, you know, has started recovering. But there's some sectors that have been decimated, like retail and, and travel and, and tourism uh, and some of the resource sectors as well. And how do we, you know, get them back to work, but with a view of the long term, with the reimagining of really where we need to go, where we, where, you know, the, the pointers were already there, that we had to change direction. We were slow, we were hesitant. I'll give you an example, mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, you know, digital and remote medicine, telemedicine. Um, there was a lot of resistance. Yes, this is good for remote communities and rural areas, but, you know, it's not going to become mainstream. Well, guess what? It was a matter of weeks, weeks, not even months that we became mainstream. Now, partly we could do that because we had some infrastructure, digital infrastructure and and the ability to do that. But we haven't been able to do it all across the country evenly, uh, you know, to all parts, which is what, what we, a country like Canada should be able to do. But my point here is, you know, we've been saying for years it won't be accepted, doctors won't like it, patients won't like it. Well, you know what? Guess what? All that's changed. Patients want to have more control. They're more informed. They're more knowledgeable. You're going to see more and more of that. Uh, you know, uh, they want to take uh, control and they want better and quicker access to healthcare. which frankly, you know, although we have some, you know, world-class capabilities in our healthcare system, it's not fully accessible to, uh, 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 to a majority of the people in a timely way. You're, you're mentioning a lot of the big issues that uh, everyone needs to, uh, to assess here in the time ahead. But I wonder also what kind of collaboration is going to be necessary in order to be effective. You know, um, you raise a really good point, Kirk, because I think... Um, we all, and I don't think it's just a Canadian problem, I think it's happening in many countries, um, especially where there's universal healthcare. Uh, we've all tried, started to become very siloed, you know, um, healthcare delivery is about healthcare delivery and this is our budget and, you know, it's a very siloed budget and we need to look at that uh, on, a, on a only a cost basis as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a value-driven uh, approach or a value-driven system, maybe the cost is a little higher here, but imagine all of what we're saving over there. Oh, and by the way, we give much better outcomes and earlier outcomes. So things like that. We were not doing that. Very siloed. Uh, industry was doing its own thing, looking at, you know, profitability and 
uh, and so forth. Uh, but there was a time when industry and academia and government worked together. And, you know, in countries where you have really, really built, or I would say jurisdictions where you have, you know, really successful, um, not only healthcare systems and outcomes, but bioscience economies, you know, very successful uh, um, biopharma industry, is countries where you have an ecosystem, a complete ecosystem where people are working together, where, where, um, the healthcare authorities, health delivery folks, uh, the, the scientists and researchers and the academic institutions and government and big industry are all collaborating around key and important projects like, uh, um, you know, chronic diseases, you know, diabetes and, and cardiovascular disease and so on, who are taking a value-based approach. And if you look at countries like... Um, Holland and uh, Denmark, uh, they've done this very e effectively. Well, these are the types of things that we need to do here. I mean, the party is over about, it's all about me and I'm doing it my way. Imagine, I'm a, I'm a big believe, believer in innovation and ingenuity and individual ingenuity. But think about each individual brilliant genius coming together and connecting the dots with the different ones coming at it from a different perspective how much quicker, how much better, how much faster you can uh, uh, deliver on that innovation uh, and operationalize that innovation, right? So you need these ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Canada is very blessed at many levels, and BC uh, in particular, that we have great academic institutions and research institutions, which are the watering hole for discovery. You need those. We have some amazing translational capability and that's really important because without translation of this uh, you know into in whether you're moving it into young companies or just operationalizing it into a procedure at a hospital you need entrepreneurs you need brilliant uh, people scientists and a business folk you need capital you need you know uh, venture capital you need uh, um, local capital you need external capital you need big industry to come together because they will be the receptors of some of this technology to be able to distribute it worldwide. Yeah. You, need, uh, you need clinical trial capability. You know, all of these things, we are very fortunate that we have most of these ingredients, but there are a few missing pieces in, in that ecosystem. And I'm hoping that the COVID situation, the COVID crisis will, has put a spotlight on, on the importance, first of all, a new appreciation for science and a validation for science, but a spotlight on the importance of working together and of public-private partnerships. I mean, your, um, your career is really predicated on, on innovation, but I think in our, our country could probably say that somewhat of the innovation quality that we have is, has been, you know, more, uh, more, talk than walk at times, right? I mean, we haven't been able to really been, be super effective in innovating as a country. I would correct you, Kirk. Yeah. I, I challenge that. I would say to you... We, I think we spend $11 billion a year on innovation. We, yeah, like, but, so it's one thing we, I, I, would, I would argue we're very innovative and we're mm -hmm. very um, capable uh, of, of discovery, of innovation, startups, what we haven't done well is we haven't 
monetize that and brought economic development out of it by being able to anchor companies, by being able to scale up and anchor companies. So, you know, why have So the innovation fizzles out. It, yeah, it's not, and it doesn't fizzle out. Most of our innovation, Kirk, gets bought out right. uh, and, and moved to other yeah. parts of the world because we yeah. get some of the big money coming from south of the border or from Europe. Uh, companies are then moved there and they monetize there and they be, and, and, and the economic development piece happens there. So, so what, we don't, what happens? So we don't keep the intellectual property. We No, exactly. We are very good at generating intellectual property. We are very talented. <laughs> For some other country. <laughs> Do you know that um, out of all of the OECD countries, um, you know, we have 55% of our population has, has some kind of post-secondary education uh, yeah. uh, with the OECD average is 35%. We have extremely skilled and talented people, but we've become uh, an off-balance sheet pipeline of both technology and innovation to other countries and of talent. You know, every third or fourth person south of the border is a Canadian working yeah. out there. So, so you're at the strategy table. You're not a politician, but you're at the strategy yeah. table. Does the country, in your view, need to then create some kind of a stronger link between funding and investment in this kind of innovation uh, in this new economy that also not ties the hands, but really disincentivizes people to take the intellectual property and go somewhere else with it. That motivates people to stay, mm -hmm. that motivates inward investment into Canada, but, uh, but builds in Canada. Uh, you know, we have some wonderful programs, you know, uh, uh, in Canada, like IRAP and Shred and others. Uh, and, and, and we just need to take some of these to the next level so that we, we enable scaling up. And we also need to make sure that we have the right kind of capital that enables scaling up. So it's now going that next stage of scaling up our companies and of anchoring a few. You know, if we anchored just... A, a, a couple of companies here, it could be game changing. You know, if you look at the kind of contribution to GDP that uh, big biotech and big med tech companies uh, make uh, when, when they get to that stage, uh, you know, it's mind blowing. So, you know, we, we now need to go to the next stage. We've done a lot of the heavy lifting, Kirk. You know, mm -hmm. we've invested in, in great science and great academic institutions, a wonderful education system. But that doesn't mean that we take our eye off the ball. You have to sustain that. You have to keep up with that. So you have to continue to invest in the entire continuum. And if there's one key point I want to make is it's absolutely critical to understand that, that it's not, let's invest in basic science today and in translation tomorrow and in young startups, you know, in the next cycle. You, we have to have a consistent agenda and focus to, to invest and develop the entire innovation continuum, uh, you know, in the life sciences. So I want to find out a little bit about what your perception is of the, of the climate that we have for all of this. Because when I'm talking to managers and business leaders now, I mean, I can sense <laughs> fatigue setting in here where you're right, we're into the seventh and eighth month of this. And in a lot of cases, they've been just trying to struggle to prop up their, their enterprises and all of that. So considering the immediate challenges that we have with our health, with the economy, with the function of our institutions, how supportive 
do you think Canadians are in, in taking this longer range approach and investing early in the infrastructure that we need? Um, well, I think that's a mixed bag, but I, what I would say is that Canadians should be. Because where do you want your highly educated children from some of the best academic institutions in the world? If you take our top three universities, they're in the top 30 in the world. Our top uh, 15 universities in the top 300 in the world out of 10,000 universities. We have some, you know, our kids are coming out educated. What do you want them to do? What kind of jobs do you want them to have? Do you not want them to have the jobs of the future, which are in value add, in creating IP, in, in innovation? That's where, where the high paying jobs will be. And, and not only, I'm not only talking about technical people, uh, not only engineers and biochemists and scientists, I'm talking about the business folks and the humanities, because by the way, those are as important as the technical jobs because they bring in that other perspective, which is needed to build a successful uh, uh, bioeconomy and, and an innovation economy. And so, all those kinds of jobs are only going to come from uh, being able to invest today in, in building an innovation and a digital economy. If we don't start doing that now, um, you know, we, when are we going to do it? And by the way, the life sciences and the, the biosciences are one, at one of the lowest carbon footprint. So not only are we doing that, we are also going to be greening the economy. Yeah. You know, this, this, is, this is huge. Uh, I think that people need to reflect, uh, and we, and, and frankly, government and the, and the various communities and jurisdictions need to think about the reskilling of existing jobs as well. And we have always underestimated being able to cross-skill people into different uh, sectors. Uh, I, I think this is something we don't do well. Yeah, a couple of last things, Karma. I want to say uh, a, a year ago, it would have been unfathomable to think of an investment of, I don't know, $2 billion, let's just say, right? I mean, these days we're, we're spending tens of billion dollars on a given day sometimes in order to contend with this. So as a scientist, as somebody who's really focused on this, do, do you think, you know, out of the crisis comes the opportunity? Do you believe that now the door is open as never before in order to have this investment without there being? some of the political friction that we typically get when these kinds of investments are, are conferred? I do. Um, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, Kirk, and, uh, and, and I will not give up uh, harassing everybody I have to, uh, to, to try and make them understand. I do believe this is an opportunity. Uh, we have to take a big leap. This is not a time to do small incremental things that are um, uh, going to make a very small difference. In the short term, we may need to, to, you know, to get the recovery, but uh, you know, for the longer term, if we want to build a sustainable, robust economy uh, for the, of the future, we need to invest in these big pieces now. And the infrastructure, you know, when people talk about infrastructure as well, I want to clarify, we, yes, we need roads and bridges and buildings and, you know, physical infrastructure. We can't live on clouds. But 
But more importantly now, people have to think about the digital infrastructure, investing in that, the innovation infrastructure, investing in that, you know, which some of it is physical, but some of it is virtual, right? Uh, And, you know, building robust clinical trial networks and all of these types of things. Uh, this this is where the jobs of the future are, and uh, we will, we will miss out. You know, we've we've missed the boat a few times. Canada has when we've had the opportunity to do things big. You know, I mean, you look at countries like uh, who've done some things very successfully, who decided to own. You know, for example, advanced manufacturing with Germany, or um, uh, you know, uh, the uh, certain areas of technology in the Nordic countries or, you know, what the UK is doing, they've, they've looked at 10, 20 year plans, you know, and said, we're going to own that. We have, we have world-class experts here on, the, on that. We're going to invest in that. So, you know, there's a role for government to be catalytic. Yeah, but our, our national character always seems to be to defer and, and uh, to be subservient to other, sometimes they're not larger economies than ours, or sometimes smaller economies. We, we don't tend to, we don't tend to have that, uh, I don't know, that, that spirit that basically keeps things for ourselves at times. Maybe we were too comfortable, Kirk, before COVID. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you, there's nothing like a fire lit under you to get you going. Yeah. Uh, you know, as they say, innovation, uh, you know, uh, a crisis is the mother of invention, right? So, uh, I mean, I, 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 I think the other very important thing, you, you raise a very good point, is in Canada, we also are a very big country and we're very dis- disparate. So we're very fragmented, and that's come up, you know, in, with, in talking to many people, uh, whether we look at, you know, our fragmentation from a provincial territorial level, or whether we look at, you know, a fragmentation by economic sectors or what have you. We have to come together as one Canada, you know, our, you know brand Canada, you know, which should be about innovation, digitizing, greening, and all of those things that we all care about. And by the way, these are, this is uh, the, the economy of the future that is going to create those high paying jobs for our kids that who are taking out, you know, big loans to get educated. <laughs> yeah, sometimes loans from mom and dad. Um, now, uh, last way uh, to maybe to round off our conversation, because it, I, I think that uh, people hear the urgency that you're speaking of here. But the other, th- the other urgency might very well be the fact that we might have another one of these, maybe a few of these, maybe many more of these episodes, right? Yeah. Yes, uh, we could. Uh, and, and most likely we will. So the point here is whether it's another COVID episode or a, another kind of pandemic or another kind of crisis. Mm. The only way, we cannot predict what it's going to be, but what we can do is if we have you know, robust uh, infrastructure, talent, skilled people, uh, the ecosystem all set up, as I talked about earlier, and, and public-private partnerships that are really working well and interprovincial and federal alignment uh, around these things, we can respond. It's how we're going to respond to something happening. We can quickly respond and come up with a solution and move forward. And I give you an example. Imagine if we didn't have um, uh, some of that infrastructure and some of that ecosystem in place. How would we have pivoted uh, quickly on the PPEs or on producing the next generation of respirators or what have you? We Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been able to. 
So if we are ready and we have a highly skilled, talented, innovative uh, population, you know, well-educated, good ecosystems, we will very quickly rally, find the solution and respond. And that's all we can hope for. Sounds like I better stay nimble. You better stay nimble. It's <laughs> time to be agile and adaptable and open-minded and receptive. Karma S. Sabar is CEO of Cork Ventures. She's the chair of the Federal Table on Health and Biosciences Economic Strategy. Lovely to talk to you. Go, go back to work. Get, help us out here. <laughs> Thank you, Cook. First, I have to figure out how to use my, uh, my Zoom, don't I? <laughs> oh, small thing, small thing. Stay nimble on that one, too. Good seeing you. Bye-bye. You. Good seeing you. Thank you. You've been watching BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We'll see you again.